Welcome to the Persuasion Pitch Podcast, where we discuss the dangers of multi-level marketing companies. We dig deep into cults and other scams. I'm your host, Jess, licensed esthetician, makeup artist, and anti-MLM advocate. Hello, good morning, everyone. So I have been looking into this specific true crime case, and I know that this is not a true crime podcast. I even debated on starting another podcast to be a true crime podcast, but that's probably not going to happen. So I have decided to do this as a bonus episode for now, but it does kind of intertwine because Christians and MLMs go hand in hand and also a murder that took place, actually many murders, the the other individual was involved with an MLM. So everyone, everyone knows of the Chris Watts case. Shanann Watts, his wife, you know, they had the mistress, Nicole, um, you know, Shanann was murdered tragically in her two children by Chris Watts. Everyone knows that case, which it's absolutely horrible. Yes, she was with an MLM and a lot of things were recorded. She went live a lot on Facebook. So people have been playing those videos and this case got so much coverage. People are still talking about it to this day a lot and rightfully so because it's horrible what happened to her and her children. But there is another Chris, and not many people know about this case. I'm talking about Chris Coleman. I'm not sure if anyone has heard of this, but this Chris also murdered his wife and two children. Many of you guys have probably heard of Joyce Meyer. If you have not heard of her, she is... The it's she's a woman preacher and she's a Christian. She goes around and she speaks all over the world. And Joyce, you know, like Joel Olstein, if you guys know who that is, this is she. You know, does things like he does. Goes around and speaks all over. And you know, some countries they don't accept Christianity, so they don't like her coming there. Also, she needs security. Because she has received threats in the past. So Chris Coleman, his family, his his father is a preacher. And his family has been friends with Joyce Meyer for years. She has known Chris since he was a little boy. So she hired him to be her security. Well, of course, he traveled all over the world with her. And... He had, okay, so he had a woman who he was having an affair with. And how he met this woman is his wife actually introduced them because this is her, this was her good friend. And they started having an affair. So when Chris would be, you know, flown out and he made really, really good money as Joyce's security. When he would be flown out to different locations, you know, put up in a hotel um, from Joyce, 
he wouldn't have her fly out there where he was and they spent time together. So for example, Hawaii, he was in Hawaii with Joyce and he flew the wife's friend out there to be with him. And they have tons of videos of them together, videos of her nude, um, videos of them talking to each other, um, text messages, everything that they were having this affair. Well, Joyce does not supposedly, allegedly, when you work for her and you get a divorce, like that's against the Bible. Actually, it in the Bible, it doesn't say it's against the Bible to get a divorce. It does say that um, sexual immorality, you know, that is grounds for divorce. So people would be fired for having a divorce. He did not want to be with his wife anymore, apparently. And he had these two children with her. And because divorce was not an option, because he thought he would lose his job over it, he decided to kill them. I also want to say the victims' names because it's really important that we talk about the victims here and not make it all about the person who harmed them, who hurt them, who killed them. So Chris's wife, her name was Sherry. She was 31 years old at the time. He had a son named Garrett, who was 11, and another one named Gavin, who was nine, sorry, nine years old. Now, Chris and his family, they're living in Illinois. And side note, him and his wife actually met while they were in the military. And the mistress, she lived in Florida. So anyway, he would fly her out to wherever he was. Of course, he was making pretty good money working for her. So I'm assuming that was not an issue with that. Now, Chris told a lot of people, Chris Coleman told a lot of people that he was receiving threats, um, like tell Joyce to stop preaching the gospel or, or, you know, or your family will die. Also, there was a letter in their mailbox that had some type of threats on it. And their across the street neighbor, he is retired law enforcement. So he had security cameras and he pointed one directly towards their mailbox because of the threatening letters that, you know, that they were receiving. Okay, I want to go through a short timeline of events. So the murders happened May 5th, 2009. On January 2nd, a few months prior, Christopher Coleman complained to police about a threatening note left in his mailbox. February 9th, Sherry Coleman, his wife, complained to a friend named Kathy of being afraid of her husband and saying that if anything happened to her, Chris did it. On April 27th, Chris complained to police about the second threatening note that he said that he received. I do want to correct myself. I am not 100% sure if the neighbor across the street was retired law enforcement or if he was still a detective. But either way, he was in law enforcement at some point. So we're going to go to May 5th now. You know, May 4th, they were playing ball outside. Everything was good. And we know this because they pulled the camera footage, of course. So May 5th, 
Chris gets up and leaves at 5.43 a.m. to go to the gym. Then he calls his neighbor from across the street and says that he cannot get in touch with his wife. So he wants, you know, him to go check and check on them and see what's going on. The neighbor goes through, go, you know, he, I guess he tries to knock and nobody answers. So he goes in the house himself. He walks in Chris and Sherry's bedroom and Sherry is dead. On top of that, there were messages in red spray paint all over the walls. He goes into the second bedroom, the little boy, um, one of the sons, and he is also dead. He goes into the third bedroom, and there was, I believe it was the youngest son he found last, and he was also dead. I also heard that like half of his body had red spray paint on it too. I'm not sure what all of the messages said with the spray paint, but they weren't. It was something bad. So they determined that these individuals had already been deceased since before he went to the gym. So... You know, that was supposed to be his alibi, I guess. He was at the gym. Also, the camera that was aimed right towards the house, it did not show anyone pulling up, leaving. So, unless someone was hiding out somewhere without, you know, not in view of the, you know, of the of the home, then nobody even went there to do it. Whenever he left the house for the gym that morning, the police asked him, they said, were you know was your wife alive was your children alive when you left for the gym and he said yes they were alive but that cannot possibly be because they have a forensic pathologist dr michael baden i think i'm saying that right and he put the time of the death for the victims um sherry gavin and garrett between 11 p.m and 3 a.m so it was way before he left for the gym that day, that morning. They also asked Chris if he owned any spray paint. Um, he said no, he did not own any spray paint. But they did find red spray paint in the home. And if you remember those emails I told you guys about, he was receiving threatening emails about how people were going to kill his family. They traced all of the emails back to his work computer his laptop it was his ip address so he sent all that also they had a handwriting expert look at the spray paint um the images of the spray paint that was in the house and they said that it was a match with his handwriting also there were a couple of misspelled words in the email and he was known to misspell those words his parents say that he is innocent. Remember I told you guys that his dad is a preacher and they are maintaining his innocence and he is also maintaining his innocence. But there is no possible way that someone could have went in that house and murdered these people because they were already deceased whenever he left for the gym that morning. And that is proven. 
I heard his father say that he had spray paint. He must have forgot that he purchased it. Uh -huh. um, he had spray paint because he was making a bullseye for a target thing. Something to do with the sun. I'm not sure what they were shooting at it. Maybe a BB gun or I'm not exactly sure. But also the thing that really makes me mad, even more mad, is his father said about, you know, the affair that he was having with this woman in Florida. His father said, well, whenever your needs are not me being met as a man, you know, you're going to go elsewhere or, or something along those lines. Like, really? Like, he's a preacher and he's saying if your needs are not met and they're not doing, he says something like wifely duties. I'm assuming he's talking about sex. Maybe she didn't have sex with him a lot. I don't know. But either way, I mean, this is horrible and it's just disgusting. It goes even deeper than this. So during the trial, his trial, the mistress, she comes to court dressed to the nines, high heels and everything. Oh, and she's wearing to court. She's wearing a promise ring. Who still gets promise rings anyway? No offense if you have a promise ring. But she's wearing a promise ring that he gave her to the trial. And whenever he was being interrogated, like right after all this happened, they pulled, you know, they talked to her and she spilled everything. He told the police that she was just a friend that he talked to sometimes, but not according to her. And also not according to the video that they found of her naked in a hotel room and him recording her. I mean, there's tons of, tons of videos and proof that they were definitely not just friends that were talking. They had a sexual relationship. I really felt like I needed to record this episode, even if not many people hear it, because I don't understand, you know, Chris Watts, he, yes, he's a disgusting piece of shit. Of course he is. Why didn't Chris Coleman's case, who also murdered his wife and kids, get, why didn't it get um, the massive amount of recognition, not recognition, but why didn't it, why wasn't it, uh, everyone should know about this case, just as they know about the other Chris's case. He did the same thing to his wife and kids. Is it because... There were so many live videos that Shanann made, and they can look back on them. Is it because it happened in 2009, and social media wasn't, like, crazy then? Um, that's what I'm thinking. So, I just felt like it was important to make people aware of this case. Also, he tried to do an appeal and get out, um, have a new trial, but they did deny him that and I think it's important to speak up for the victims in this case as well just like we speak up for other victims in other cases and I hope that everyone will listen this Monday and every Monday for a new episode have a great rest of the week